Welcome to Think Big for Africa podcast. On this podcast, we will bring you interesting conversations with local, national, and international African leaders from all works of life, home and abroad. Leaders who are doing their bits to progress Africa's development. Conversation topics will range from education, science, health, leadership, politics, business, and many other global issues. Conversations about everything that concerns Africa's development. Africa has so many wonderful achievers worldwide. And this is exactly what we will bring to you on Think Big for Africa podcast. Stay tuned. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. How are you, Mr. Ikeni? I'm okay. And you? I'm really blessed, really, really blessed. It's a great, great. Uh, Friday, so we thank God. I'm glad. I'm glad to be talking to you today. My pleasure. Uh, My pleasure. How's so, uh, Abuja? Abuja is great. We thank God. We thank God. There's still the whole political conversation going on everywhere. Yeah, but- yeah, yeah. My God. See, I have hardly spoken to anyone about uh, the Buhaha in Nigeria. <laughs> Mm. for some time i've just uh, uh left that topic Honestly. of discussion because uh it's uh it's a little bit uh controversial of, yes. some, of, of some of some kind uh i want to see how it goes uh probably to the courts okay and then and, and see the direction that uh, our legal system would uh, decide to go. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. well, anyway, anyway, uh, I'm happy to to see you. All right. For sure. For sure. Yes. So, Itofa, see, yes. it's, uh, for me, uh, I'd like to start this way. Mm. You tell my audience who you are and what you do. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, so we're starting. We're starting straight off immediately. See, we're, we're already start, started. Everything we're talking about is going to go on the on the podcast. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mister Kenny. First of all, it's a great honor and a great pleasure to be able to be on your podcast. I feel really blessed and doing incredible work yourself. Thank Just you. being able to highlight these global conversations about Africa. It means a lot that you would add your voice to it, even though you're far away in the United Kingdom. So thank you on behalf of all of us. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, um, uh, for people who have probably haven't heard about me before, never heard my name before. My name is Itofa. Um, originally born um, in Edo State and um, um, started my early years in Edo State, Nigeria, and then eventually moved into the city of Abuja when I was like six years old with my family. And since then, I've lived all of my life here growing up. Um, growing up as a child, you know, I was one of those kids who I was never born into opulence. So I was not one of those children who was able to, whose parents could afford cartoons, whose parents <laughs> could, yeah, you could watch TV. You know, we didn't, I didn't even have that type of luxury or privilege. Um, you know, early on in my journey, my mom said to me one time, I think I was around 14, 15 years old, so she said, Itofa, do you know that our financial state at that time was so terrible that we couldn't afford to buy you a baby food as a child? Wow. 
so that puts in context what my upbringing or my my childhood mm. was like and um, even there were days in my um my high school days when I would go to school and because my parents were owing tuition would get kicked out of school and would come back home because we couldn't afford um for a season in my life but but all of those experiences were built up for the things that I currently do now you know looking back in hindsight they say hindsight is 2020 yes. looking back in hindsight now I needed to go through those experiences to be able to understand what it means like to have over 12 million children in Nigeria not in school to have over 2.7 million IDPs who are going hungry every day have a deep understanding because I have been there it's not yeah. the statistics that I so that's my story and um, I'm the founder of Church on the Street and my Nigeria Food Bank and we have one simple mission we want to build a utopic Nigeria where every child will have access to education especially girls and also ensure a world where no family would ever have to go to bed hungry. So we're attacking food insecurity. We're increasing access um, to education for girls across Nigeria. We're also advocating for rehabilitation and also um, encouraging like families in the ITP camps, you know, connecting them back into society to the work that we do. And this is the summary of my life. I'm passionate. It's, it's my life. I love my job. It's an incredible privilege to serve my country. Wow. Wow. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, uh, talking about education, I've seen several of your videos where you go to school and you, you are singing with the kids and all that. I'm very passionate about education myself. Okay, my parents were educators, both my father and my mother, uh, and I started my my own journey. Uh, I did my U, uh, NYSC teaching. Okay, so. We all, many of us have been there. Mm. Now, you, you mentioned two things, two things. Uh, let, let's, you mentioned that uh, at one time you were kicked out, out of school because you couldn't mm. pay the tuition. Okay, yes. that's one. And the second thing is that you are passionate about education, especially of girls. Okay. Yes. So, this is a question I, I, I'll ask you. See, for me, I don't know why our country has not funded education to make sure that at least, at least everybody in that country has the minimum mm. of 12 years of schooling. Okay, at least, see, for me, I take this primary, secondary school education, I think it should be a right for everybody. Now, if parents want their children to go to private school, that's that's a good a good op option for them okay mm. but at mm. least for the, for the general public yes they should be able to have state funded primary secondary school now yeah. when it comes to university uh, i'm want to tell you even though i was fortunate to have free uh, state funded university wow. Wow. But, but I know that it doesn't really work. And we have seen the we have seen it seen it in Nigeria. Okay. Our universities are always on, on strike. Okay. Yeah. Now that's it. That's one. The second one is that about 
uh, girls, okay, I I am see I'm a father of three girls, okay. Mm. So I'm a, an I'm an only son with two sisters. So I know what it what it means about girls going to school. But yeah, I'm I used to think about that giving preferential treatment for girls to go to school. Mm. Okay. Right now, I don't think I want to I want to go that way. I would rather give everybody the opportunity. I mm. won't I won't give any special treatment to one side mm. or, or the other. So yeah, take take it away. Let, let's talk about that. What's your what's okay, your awesome? I and I, I really love your reservation now, Mr. Ken. I really love your reservation. <laughs> Uh, we should give everybody education. I, it's, I'm passionate about doing that. But the reason we give priority to girls, especially um, with the work that I currently do, is because we've seen, I don't know if you've read the recent statistics from um, UNICEF, there are currently over um, 22 million child brides in Nigeria. Okay. Child brides. These child brides are girls. Yeah. They are girls. Yeah. So as we speak in 2023, there are families who believe in Northwestern and North Central, who believe, even in the North, who mm. believe that girls should rather get married than get any type of education. Mm. Mm. So how mm. do we intercept that kind of, intercept that? First of all, we start by creating some sort of re-education to the parents. And look, girls are equal to boys. Your boy shouldn't be able to go to farm, get an education, get a type of money to start his life. Why you, the only thing the girl is condemned for is, is marriage. Yeah. So the reason we are power, and that's why it's, it's, that's why even the framework, why even in leadership, you check, you check the administrative level of Nigeria as a country on its own. How many women are in power? How many women are in leadership in the executive, in the judiciary? How many of them are there? Why? Because somewhere we still unconsciously are running with the programming that girls are second fidels. So the reason why education is important and is especially we should begin to give girls this priority is the fact that when you educate a girl, what you're doing is that you, you're educating a whole community. Girls have such an incredible ripple power effect that when you educate her, you've, you've, you've I mean, you look at families where you have educated mothers and you have educated father. It's different from homes where you have both parents not educated or one side, one, maybe just the father educated. There's, a, there's an impact you feel in that type of family. Mm. Let's take, uh, for instance, somebody like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Great work she's done. She's been able to do incredible work with her. But when you read her biography, both her parents were professors. Yeah. Both her parents were professors. So you can see that education is very important. So back to the question, um, I still believe that everybody should get an opportunity. But until we get it right in Nigeria, where we know that girls should get equal opportunity, then I'm okay with all saying boys and girls, um, um, or boys should get education, girls should get education. But yeah. if we continue the conversation of saying, you know, or let's just, let's, let's, you know, that. Then the second part of the question you asked, Mr. Akeneway, you asked about Nigeria, what's happening? Why are we not funding education? Yeah. Honestly, I think it goes back to show the type of leaders that we have as a country. We have leaders who run for public offices without having any strategic plan or any strategic framework to especially lead change and lead impact in the country so people who come to power and they've spent a billionaire to get into office until they recoup their money back because nothing concerns the government so we need to start looking at frameworks on policies 
uh, okay, how do we affect policy, create policy? Well, look, if you're coming to power, you're coming to serve the people. Yeah. Well, you're coming to serve the people. Let's take all these incentives where you have to get like five Prado Jeeps. You're earning like six million naira. You are getting housing allowance, all these incentives. Let's remove it and let the people who are going to get into public office will be people who genuinely care about solving a problem. I think if we start from that level, we'll be leading a change. And then finally, let's continue to encourage people like myself I'm just one Nigeria will be many people who are doing incredible stuff in Nigeria yeah. who are already moving some type of needle in the community. As I speak to you, we've been able, we've currently served over 8,000, 8,000 people who've been able to give access to education, food relief, um, rehabilitation that we've done in the space of four years without any support from the government, without any external grants. Imagine what we can do if we have the support from government and maybe, you know, and all that. So that's just what I'm going to advocate for. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mostly agree with you, okay? Mostly, okay? Like I said, I'm a father of three daughters. Yes. And brother to two sisters, okay? Mm. Uh, both, my par- both of my parents were teachers, okay? And I w- uh, were, were fortunate enough that my parents were able to educate me and my sisters three or four to master's degree level, okay? So in my family, there is no discrimination, all right? And that's what I want for everyone. No discrimination. See, in the West, okay, what is going on right now is that more girls are in school more than boys. See, so what, what, why I'm not want to advocate to give special treatment to girls over, over boys is that somehow that special treatment has been done in the West. And that right now, they are seeing the negative impact okay they are seeing the negative impact so for me i i talk about this all, all the time that because africa is behind in development yes that we are fortunate that we can see all those in front of us we can see the mistakes they, they have made and it will be good for us to learn from those not to make the same mistakes. So, yes, I'm all about everyone should be educated. Yes. Okay. At, at least, at least 12 years of schooling. After that, everyone can decide, every family can decide what next for them. Okay, but at least 12, 12 years of schooling for everyone. In fact, it should be compulsory so that uh, parents cannot keep their children at home or keep their daughters at home while they send their, their, their girls, uh, their sons to school. Okay, it will be uh, 12 years of schooling should be compulsory for all citizens. Okay. But then, but then, for me, 
because I see the impact of girls going further, okay, I see the society impact, okay, of girls going further in, in education than boys. See, the, the big impact, the, the impact is huge mm. in the West. Okay, and it's affecting everything. So I don't want us to suffer the same consequence later, maybe in two generations. Yeah. So that, that's my own. Okay. So I think we need to take take heed of this, you know, of, of what the 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 countries who are further in development and see what they, they've done the impact, the consequences, and make sure it doesn't happen to us. But yes, you guys are doing a, good, a great job, okay? And that's why you're here, okay? That's why you're here. Uh, so I hope you, you just, all this, this few things I, I, just, I just talked about, maybe you, you might do some research on it and see how you can uh, uh moderate what you do and how so that you can get the best impact for all the people you're working with yeah uh, that's absolutely. my that's my point yeah absolutely thank you Mr. Great, great, absolutely. Great. so you are into non-profit okay to help non-profit organizations okay yes. and you mentioned that uh your upbringing and the, the things that happened to you, your family at that time, all led you to this place. So tell us more about that. Give us right. the story. Yeah. See, I, I like also, stories. <laughs> uh, amazing, amazing. I've got like a couple of my sleep. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, in 2016, yeah, I think it was 2014, I had just finished high school in Nigeria. And um, it was now time to go to university. My dream was to become a medical doctor because I just want to be a doctor, doctor, it's so far, doctor, it's so far. Ah, I'm going to marry a beautiful woman. I'll become a medical doctor. I'll be driving <laughs> a white bench. I had all these things planned in my head. Mm -hmm. But then it happened that I, you know, I kept, I kept, you know, writing the, the joint admission matriculation board exam, which yep. is called JAM. Yeah. Yes, I, I wrote it the first time. I didn't get the, um, the cut off. The grade you, want, you needed. Yep. Yes, I wrote it the second time. I didn't get it. Ah, but I was bent on going to do medicine. You know, I was really bent on going to do medicine. And one day my dad sat, sat me down with my mom. And he said to him, he said, Itofa, a bed in hand is what two in the bush. Mm. And then he said to me, look, just go to the University of Benin. Take the same grades you have. Apply to the University of Benin and go and, go and study. I was like, ah, no, no. Well, I said, oh, you know what? Let me just try it. Applied for it. And, one, um, and I got... Um, what's it called? They gave me um, education. Um, they gave me an admission come out study education at the University of Benin. I was very devastated because the narratology I heard about teachers was that, you know, teachers in Nigeria are broke people. They'll be wearing one pair of shoes. Their yeah, shoes have bent once. I said, ah, no, 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 no. That cannot be my story at all. I'm not going to end up becoming a teacher. You know, and, you know, so my dad said to me again, so far, a bed in hand is what to in the bush. And said, go and make the most out of what you want to do at the University of Benin. When you come out of that place, if you want to go and do medicine again, you are free, but you have a degree. And he said something to me that I, in hindsight now, it's true. Your first degree is only a level. Your first degree is only, even if you read Yoruba, French, 
whatever you read, your first degree is only a level. And so I went in, did my, I, so when I entered the first year, I was still very dissatisfied. A part of me still wanted to go back to do medicine. So when I see other medical students, first year medical students, oh God, my God. So I had inferiority complex. I just believe that these guys were better than me. Mm. They had, they had, oh my goodness, they were really better than me. I was them reading their texts. I say, no, 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 this, this dream, I'm going to. So I would go and try to work out to get transfer form from medicine so that I could transfer from education to medicine. Again, it never worked. Until my second year in the University of Benin, um, I was I was studying psychology and we were preparing for a bachelor exam um, around this time. And mind you, before I even started doing um, non-profit on a very structured level, I come from a home where my, my parents are very altruistic people. My parents would, I would see right in front of their my very eyes every Christmas, they would give things to people. I mean, we had gone from, you know, struggling to God blessing us as a family. You know, I would see them blessing people. I would see them doing things for people. And, you know, it was something I was, so when I got into uni, I just had this day in my other time, we deal with my, in my, I have a dream that one day I'll feed nations, one day I'll build schools for children. I just had this dream and passion. On this fateful night, second year, 12 a.m., pharmacy building, University of Benin, sometime in March, April, my friend, Yvonne Ogo, said to me, Tofa, what if we go to an orphanage home? The minute she said that to me, something left on my inside. Now, because I don't know if you know about midnight uh, class, uh, midnight reading. We used to go to class to read. I, I, read. I went to University of Benin. I know all about that. <laughs> Great, night class. So, we, so night class. We used to go to night class every yeah. night. That night class, she said, I, I could not read again. I was so excited. It felt like somebody had opened me up to a whole new vista of possibility. I said, wait, as undergraduates in this campus, you mean we can actually go and touch orphanage? We could go to orphanage homes. We I said, hey, let's do it. At that time, I had just read a book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he okay. talked about the importance of having so many bank accounts. He said that you can build wealth. And I'm like, okay, I went to open a GT bank account, free advertisement. And <laughs> and and I think after like six months, I was only able to save 4,000 in that account. And that's why every time I tell the story, I tell people that, look, we started church on the streets with 4,000 naira. All the money I had in that bank account, I said, look, I'm going to invest into this project. So I mopped up my account, took all the 4,000 R. Now, mind you, I didn't start up with the premise of building an organization or becoming yeah. this guy who was going to become a, 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 a philanthropist or helping people. Advocate. No, 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 no. The idea was, look, we'll go to this orphanage home. A one-time thing, we'll do it, and that'll be the end of it. So we were all putting our energies. We were talking to our friends, our families, our colleagues in class. Some people believed us. Some people did not believe us. Yeah. Long story short, after two months of trying to fundraise, we raised, I think, about 76000 naira for the orphanage home. And we went there, bought like bags of rice. We bought like groceries, cereals. People are giving us clothes, stationaries. We got like just stuff we know the kids will need, toys yeah. and everything. And we took it to the camp. I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a man of faith. Yeah, of course. I, 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 that's, right. that's why you you have the charity. Yeah, church yes. in, in the street. Yes. Right on that day, the 16th of June, 2018, God said to me, every single person who latches on to church in the street, it will become a state for them. Now, mind you, we're in 200 level. We didn't know what we're doing. I was even studying a course I hated. 
what do you mean? And, you know, God began to tell us things that he was going to do with us. I just laughed. I said, look, after I've done this thing, I'm going back to my life. Like, I've done this charity work. But then right from that point on, we couldn't stop, even when we wanted to stop. After that project, we had people who had heard about it. They wrote a check of 250000 gave it to the orphanage home. We had people who came to us and said, look, they're about to throw them out of the University of Benin. They can't pay school fees. We started fundraising for them. We secured their admission. They were able to stay. And it, it just kept going and going and, and going and going and going. And for some reason, it's just been going. And that's how... You know, a couple of look, we have to structure this thing, we have to register with CAC, we have to have a proper bank account, like we have to become a proper organization. That's how we started. And from that point on, from the 16th of June 2018, we've never had a cost. I've never had a cost to look back to regret this journey that I've on. I'm on. And that word God said to me, look, young man, this thing will be will change your life literally. In fact, I when we're going to start the work. I, I told a few family friends, and they say, Look, young man, look, 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 you talk we know you are passionate. We know you you are you want to inspire the world. But listen to me. Can't you hear the name non-profit? Where's the profit inside? Your mates are starting businesses. You say you want to do non-profit. I say, yes, sir. It's non-profit I want to do. I say, go and think about it again, you know. But I can look back and say very well that it really pays to, to be a, a platform where people's life can be changed. Really, just to be able to inspire people, not just even the people who are reaching directly, people who see us and are inspired by it to want to go back and lead change. It's been an incredible journey. So that's how I, I found myself in non-profit. And that's how um, last four years I've been on this job. It's been my life every day. I breathe, live, church on the street and my Niger Food Bank. And it's been an incredible journey. Wow. It's okay. See, see me smiling. <laughs> see, I'm glad you had uh, your kind of parents. Okay. And I'm happy you listened to your dad and uh, took up that uh, course you didn't like, okay? And like I tell people, uh, we create our purpose, okay? A friend told you, Let's do this. Something in you said yes. Okay. And you got uh, excited. Okay. Maybe God made it, uh, gave you that uh, excitement, but you took it up. All right. Let me ask you. Are you still, yeah, you're still young, okay? Like uh, when we talked, yeah, you're still yeah. very young. Yeah. You want to go back to to study medicine today? Even if I get a full-blown scholarship, I'm not going to take it. Okay. <laughs> because you have found your, your purpose. Yes. Okay. And that's why you're smiling. Okay. Yes. Now, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you 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 think about how to make it uh, ongoing. Okay. Yes. Uh, see, yes, uh, we all need money. Okay, we all need money, but uh, the reason why we need money is to create a life that we like. 
okay mm-hmm. you as a young person have been able to start creating the life that you like mm-hmm. and yeah. the money the money the money you need the money you need yeah. will come yeah right i totally agree uh, yes sir congratulations Thank you very much. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> you know, you, so, you said something about my parents. I just want to yeah. just put a caveat. To yeah. it. Um, my parents are really, really practical people. My my dad is a pastor. My mom is almost like a pastor, right? Yeah. So um when we when when I had this idea, I didn't tell them because I know if I told them, they would tell me, look, to so finish from the University of Benin if you want yeah. to change the world. Mm-hmm. Like, like any, any other parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I didn't tell them I started off. But when we started off, we, I was experiencing bottleneck because we're in ex- we didn't have money. I didn't know how yeah. to fundraise. I didn't know how to ask people. One of the very first projects we wanted to do in the early years when church on the street started was we wanted to go to um, um communities to give people food items for the Christmas season because that's how we started. Yeah. We wanted to give families who don't have food for the holiday seasons food. And we were only able to buy noodles and I think buy... um 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 go um what's it called beverages we didn't yeah. have rice we didn't have any of these things long story cut short my own parents give us all the rice that we need to go and give families my dad called me and said it's so far look i know you guys haven't gotten rice i'm going to give you people the rice that you need to go and serve these people wow. gave us his car drove his we took his cars as as volunteers he gave us the car gave us the rice gave us everything and even my mom came up with us and spent some time with the team, just even encouraged the team, you know. And so those sort of, when you talk about parents supporting the vision, yeah. they really, really played that pivotal role on my journey. Very good. Very good. Very good. Wow. So now you just told us about your, your non-profit, okay? Uh, before I came to this country, even after I've been, I've been here, for several years i i didn't actually know much about what non-profits do today i i, I do okay i work with two okay uh, and uh, i have friends who are in the space so i know what the the impact the, the work they do and the impact of that work uh, to to make this society viable okay so but in africa we, most of our of our people do not actually know what they do okay and we see uh, one foreign ngo we just that come and give us some things but t- tell my audience what non-profits charities mm. NGOs are mm. supposed to do mm. for for the for the society and why mm. they are important thank you very much so um so i haven't been in this space for four years i started consulting on the side because I, I just had I, I hated seeing you know you go on instagram you see people handing out rice or handing out biscuits and capricorns people on the streets that's yeah. dehumanizing mm. and you record it and you put it that's very dehumanizing that's that's not it that's not even ethics of or you see people trying to tell a story of somebody they're helping and they dehumanize the people mm. the function of a non-profit a non-profit is supposed to be able to find a niche in the 
plenty problems in the world. Yeah. The United Nations postulate, promulgated the 17 SDGs in 2010, where they created 17 goals to be able to make the world a better place. So there's zero hunger, no poverty, gender equality, education, climate action, decent living, up until 17. As yeah. a non-profit, you must be able to fit your course into one of these goals yeah. or multiples of these goals. That's number one. Number two, the problem you are solving, you cannot solve a problem based on assumption and presumption. There's what you call community needs assessment, mm. where you engage the relevant stakeholders that involves the people who are going to be benefiting and the people who are going to be giving you resources, you engage these stakeholders and design a solution that meets their need. A practical case study. We've been working with the IDP camps now in Benue for about three, to, three to going on three years. And, you know, when we started off, we started off, you know, just trying to support them and do the things we could do. But we, when we did our community needs assessment, we found out that water was a huge crisis in the community. Families, Five, trek five miles to get water. The water they get is muddy water to drink. Wow. So we thought to ourselves, look, 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 we, before we assume that water is all these people need, let's engage them. So I traveled myself and a couple of the team, we traveled by road for five hours to Benway State, yeah. Abu Gaji community. We spent, I think, three nights in Benway State. We didn't shower for two days because wow. it was the most, yes, that was the sacrifice we had to pay to be able to understand the intricate need of this community and we're able to engage with them and they gave us advice told us when to give the water how to give the water where to put the water so you need to first of all connect to one one or multiple 17 SDGs understand the problems you're solving not from a place of assumption or presumption but by engaging with the relevant stakeholders and finally when designing the solution ensure that you have a sustainable system it's yeah. one thing to give you bread but you must know how to teach them how to fish so whatever course you're doing you need to ask yourself how do we how does this thing become sustainable if you pay yeah. the tuition of a child for three times how can you make that child continue to go to school is yeah. it possible you're going to create an after school system is it possible to give the family business grants is it possible to open a farmland and cause the families to start to farm so that the children can be in school so I started a consulting firm, ID Consulting, where I started to work with people who are looking to start, people that are rich, Mr. Ikeni. They have so much money and they want to open non-profit in the name of their mother. But because they have a lot of money, they just want to go and be buying cars, buying rice, buying... No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's why you need an you need to sit with an expert to guide you on how to design something that in 10 years, when you look back in hindsight, you can say, wow, we've done quite a lot. So... The role of nonprofits in the world really is to cover up the gaps, really not even play the role of the government, really. It's supposed to be a collaborative effort yeah. where we work together to make the world a better place. So where the government cannot feel it, we come in to fill that place and the government says, oh, wow, there's a team of young people working in church industry. How can we support you guys? We know we can't cover this aspect, but how can we come in to help you? So we fill in for each other. That's the role. And before you know what, we will indeed do the utopic society. And I believe very well that we're going to get there by the grace of God. Wow. Well, you guys are, are doing a good job. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, there's no utopic society. And uh, uh, think about it. Huh? Uh, <laughs> there, there's, not, there, there's none anywhere. Well, in reality, there is none. There's, but we can't exactly. Yeah, okay. Good, good, good. So, yes. so don't, don't think you... You create parad paradise on, on earth because it's a recipe of, the, to, to, of this disaster. So don't do that. Mm. But you guys are doing a great job. Okay. Thank you and, so much. And from this, you just told me, even though you are doing non-profit, but you have found a niche. 
that to make money from this by yes. starting a consulting business. Yes. All right. See, see, this this is the this is the the beauty of doing what you love. Yeah. Okay. See, you have found a business, a, a niche to do business, to sustain mm. you. Yes. Okay. Doing your own non nonprofit and helping other nonprofits and being paid for that. Yes. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. So tell me, tell me, what uh, are the biggest challenges of uh, the people in this in this space? Okay, what's the biggest challenges for nonprofits in our society? And uh, what are, are the what, what what can what can everyday people what can what can they do to help if 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 possible yeah okay thank you very much so different nonprofits have different needs yeah right? okay but, if, but from the cost of i mean just consulting and helping nonprofits it's three things funding mm. funding is number one then in terms of structure or human capital having people okay. who can say look every saturday i'm going to come to the food bank to help or oh look um i'm a you know i'm a management consultant i can help you guys with your auditing for free let's work together we know that you guys are doing some xyz in this xyz space so okay. human capital we need people we need people like yourself who can say look every saturday you know what i'm going to give two hours of my time to work with xyz organization and this is the skill set i have so human capital funding and finally um just as a as a collective team, just be able to have a system that allows you to grow. So take, for instance, in Nigeria now, you have things like Leap Africa, the Lagos Business School that have created resources for nonprofits to be able to help them or, you know, scale the work, understand the work that they are doing. So so when you see a nonprofit that starts um, for three years and then after three years, they just zap out of the, of, of like the of existence, yeah. Yeah, it's not because these people are not passionate. Sometimes they are suffocated um, by result of maybe no funding. Um, people are not helping. Um, yeah, but what I would say all the time to people is this: treat your nonprofit like it's a for-profit. Okay. Yeah, people always have this mindset that ah, oh, it's not for NGO work. Mm -mm, no, 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 no. The way Apple is going to invest in their branding. You need to find creative ways. Maybe not spend that same amount of money or even spend clothes. Even not, but find creative ways where you can also invest in your branding. The way Coca-Cola yeah. Coca will talk about their organization culture, have an organization culture, the way company like Google tell you what their, their plans are going to be in 10, 25 years. Have that blueprint. Don't just, because we are trying to help people, we are trying to save people, so we can just let, no, don't do that. So many of the non-profits have become source. I mean, you see, just like the Red Cross, you see World Central Kitchen, No Kid Hungry, you see Watoto Foundation. These guys have been here for 25 years, 83 years, you know. So so founders need to begin to think from this framework that look, yes, funding, human capital, and just that ability to increase your knowledge bank, there are yeah. key factors that destroy a lot of non-profits, but founders who are listening to me or who are going, eventually going to become founders, 
this is the framework you frame of mind I want you to have. Think long term. Think yeah. long term. Think long term. Wow, that's good. That is great. See, I can tell you. Uh, listen to you. Uh, I can tell you, you have learned so many things outside school. Okay, because yeah, you are basically speaking like uh, a business executive. Mm. That, that's that's a great that's a great honor. thank you yeah 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 you are speaking just like a, a business executive that's that's very good that means uh uh your work has uh helped you develop so much capacity to to be more uh valuable to mm. your community yeah. i'm i'm so glad to to know this Great. Thank so, tell, tell me, do, do you have any other ongoing projects? Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, so we um we launched my Ninja Food Bank on the first of July, twenty twenty two. Was when okay. we started Ninja Food Bank, and it was born out of uh, out of a passion to really tackle the food insecurity in Nigeria. The work we're doing in church and street, we realized that. Um, we couldn't scale it. The, the, the model we had come up with was not scalable at the level we wanted. So we needed an independent structural system that would allow us to blow up the work we we're doing. Mm. And food insecurity was is something I'm very passionate about. I don't know if you know what it means to go to bed hungry, Mr. Ikeni. You probably will not remember. Well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I grew up in... My, my grandparents yeah. and my uncles yeah. were local farmers okay mm. but but in in my community they were very successful farmers so uh fortunately i have never experienced been, that. E- experienced hunger yeah, even though I, I, I was born in the village yeah yeah so so food insecurity is a huge challenge Mr. Kenny. so i talk about the work we do um in the igp camps a lot because it's it's um it's formed the crucible for many of the conversations that I have, whether it's with um I mean people on LinkedIn are reaching out all over the world who want to just engage in conversation. Um in in November, I don't know if you've seen that documentary. If you haven't, I probably send you the link to YouTube where you can watch the documentary of the last um community work we had in Bainway State. Oh, oh please send, two- send it, send it. I, I, yes, I want I'm, to watch it. I met two twins, Joseph and Jonathan, six months old babies. Their mother couldn't provide, couldn't have, she couldn't create breast milk. Mm. The, the rib cage of these babies could hold water. Their stomach was bloated. Oh Their my neck God. was very lean. These kids were, were what you call most at risk children. And there were just two out of 11,000 commu- children in that camp. Wow. What did we do? What did I do? I knew I I I couldn't even express the first night was like, please, 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 please. We need to put the story out there quickly. We need to get as much help and support to, to the glory of God. We're able to get people who jumped in on it. And right now, um, the babies are doing very well, the family's oh, doing very well, the very mother good. is healthy. Um, medically, they are doing very well. Um, but then you ask again the question: like, what are we currently doing? So I started my Niger Food Bank, first of July. The IJs want to close the um the food insecurity in Nigeria. We 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 call ourselves the first mobile food bank for low-cost schools. I'm passionate about education. How do we marry education and food security for children? There, there are children that I'm telling you that they have a passion to learn, but because they wake up every morning, they have to go and 
find a way to fend for their families and they have to throw school away. So we don't have that resources yet, but it's my dream, it's my passion, I need to happen where we're going to be able to identify schools in rural communities, where we're going to be able to adopt children who we know very well that um, we can marry them into our feeding program. And the yeah. idea is not just to provide food for them. The idea is to increase their retention rates in school. Yeah. Um, one in one in um three in five children in rural communities don't stay in school because of hunger. Yeah. So what if we can intercept that gap and then introduce what you call after school clubs or or weekend classes where we can meet to teach the children things about leadership, teach these children things about career development, teach these children things about like what's your passion? We've gone beyond from the traditional route of becoming medical doctors, lawyers, as great as these professions are. The world is evolving, it's turning into a global village. How do we begin to introduce things like STEM education to these children in rural communities? So, so the vision for my Niger Food Bank is where education meets food. So it's a recent project we currently have now, and we are doing a pilot with the IDP camp here in Abuja, where um, they have a dilapidated primary school there where children learn from the window, they use a blackboard, there is no roof, they don't even have chairs inside. And what we're trying to say is how do we crowdfund? To create a system where these children can learn and in order for that stuff not to be ruined train educators inside the idp camp who can now lead the project we were not in the picture they can mm. teach the children we can just come and monitor and evaluate the project so that's what we're currently working on and for anyone who's listening who's passionate about education and looking to help i'll be more than happy to get on a conversation yeah. with you mm-hmm. wow see uh there are so many so many things we need to do in nigeria and the rest of africa so many things so people like yourself have a lot of work to do uh i hope uh, our governments would uh, do their own part Okay, because yes, you are nonprofits are trying to cover some of the things that the governments can cannot do. Yeah. But the work of nonprofits like yours is minuscule to yeah. the work that the government can do. Okay. Uh I, I just hope our, our governments will, will, will play their, their own part so that they can leave the smaller bits for you guys to follow up with and uh, make uh, the society a lot better, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, our, com- our, our, our continent has... Uh, a lot of young people like you, okay? But we also know that uh, a lot of young people like you are not in employment, are not doing much. Yeah. Okay. But there's something they can do. Yeah to make themselves valuable to themselves and to their community. Yes. So what's your advice to 
young people like yourself? Yeah, I think I think it's important first of all that we don't throw the baby and the bathwater away together because okay. yes, Nigeria as a country, we, we have incredible young people. I mean, I'm currently doing my NYSC and I get to engage with a lot of young people from across the different nations, even from people who came all the way from the United States and the United Kingdom to do your NYSC. But Nigeria puts you in a survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you cannot create. Mm. When you're in survival mode, you cannot create. And that's the condition Nigeria is, has programmed you to be. So in order for you to be valuable, like you mentioned, Mr. Ekene, you need to think without a box, not outside a box. You need to think without a box, right? Every time they say think outside of your box, the question is who even created the box in the first place? What you think outside of? So, so um, my advice to every young person is for them to consistently look inwards. Don't look outward, because if you look outward, what it does is that it, it impacts how you see the world. The poverty rate in Nigeria is alarming. When you talk of poverty, you, you the World Bank defines poverty be living below one dollar ninety cents. There are people living. If you won't have one dollar, one dollar right now is seven hundred and fifty naira. You now say ninety cents on top. But I'm talking of one thousand five hundred. That's probably somebody's minimum wage somewhere. So, my encouragement to any young person who's listening to me now: I am in Nigeria. I live in Nigeria. I've had the privilege with God's help. But I want to say this to everybody who is listening to me: that look, stop looking outward and start looking inwards. Um, a great mentor once said to me: "Said far. Um, all that you currently have left is all that you need. And I just want to say this to everybody. You may say, I don't have money. I don't have relationships. I don't have anything. But I want you to know that right where you are, you have something. Okay. You have something. It may be skill sets. It may be an incredible project management skill. It may even be consulting that you just haven't harnessed very well. It may be great speaking skill. It may be just passion for non for profit. Whatever it is, but you have something. That's the first point. Then the second point of call I want to say to young people these days: invest in human capital development. In two thousand and twenty, um, I read sixteen books. Very good. Probably, yeah, I read sixteen. See, see books me smiling. In, See me smiling. Yes, I yes. I love see yeah okay. Yeah. I read I read sixty I read sixty and I'm not just saying this to brag. I'm just saying no this no. To just like it's it's important yeah. you see, you're saying this yes. Yeah, it's important for you that you you cannot. There are certain conversations you cannot have on the upper echelon if you don't know certain subjects. If you bring me and say let's talk about Coca Cola CEO, let's talk about the Apple, let's talk about what's happening in the aviation. I'm going to. Tell you because I've read books that have broken down their marketing strategy. Talk about branding. Talk about um. I can tell. I can have a conversation with you. Yeah. And that 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 alone separates you already from the crowd. Separates okay. you from the pack. So for young people, I want you to invest in in increasing your value. Buy books and read the books, please. If you if you YouTube channels, find things, watch TED talks, watch TED talks. Um. Watch, listen to, I mean, incredible podcasts like this. I can like watch, listen to people who are having conversations that disrupt your internal programming that causes you to, man, like, what have I been doing in my life? What is going on? You know, um, I have a friend called um, Shay Morejo. Um, Shay Morejo is only 21 years old. She's the founder of Your Recycled Initiative. Just recently, CNN did a feature story on her just because they wanted to see what she was doing in Nigeria. And she's only in her third year. At University of Lagos, 
and she's doing the kind of stuff she's doing. And she's in Nigeria. She's not living in Jamaica or South Africa. She's in this Nigeria with all of us. So I want to encourage more people that, young people that, please, you're not disadvantaged. That's the very first point of call. You're a global asset. You're a global solution. That's my frame of mind. I don't don't call myself a Nigerian. I call myself a global citizen. Have that frame of mind so that anywhere you find yourself, you don't have a survival mindset. Oh, my God. What can I take from Mr. Ikeni now? Question my what can I give to you? What value can I bring to the table for you? When you when you alter this frame of mind or you've created this frame of mind, what happens is that you begin to attract things to your life that people who are living in that survival state cannot cannot attract, cannot create because they are thinking about survival. So that's yeah. my advice to any young Nigerian at the moment. Wow. Uh, this is fantastic. See, unfortunately, uh is difficult for a lot of young people who are in survival mode to listen to this kind of talk mm. and digest it. Mm. Okay. But we need to continue preaching the, the gospel. Okay. Because uh, sometime uh, for any reason, uh, their minds might be open to listen. Yeah. See, if you look at every country that uh, that is developed, okay. First, I will say this, and I want my audience to learn this. None of those countries were developed by the government. People, people, people who had desire, dreams. And many, many of them came from poverty. In fact, the majority came from poverty. In those days, uh, only kings and lords were in opulence had money yes the rest of the of the of the society were poor yeah okay and many of the people who created these global uh companies that everybody body knows Mm -hmm. came from the ordinary citizens yes sir yes sir okay so that's why it's good for us to read and learn the stories of other people. Yes, sir. See, yes, sir. No matter where you are, no matter what is going on with you, yes, at that time that thing's going on with you, it's horrible. It's devastating. But the truth is of, ma- of matter is this. This kind of things have happened to other people in the past. And we can learn from the way they handled it to bring themselves out of their situations. And that's why it's important to read. Okay. And if we continue keeping ourselves, closing our eyes to the stories of other people, we'll stay 
in our situations longer than necessary. Mm. You know, so mm. thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I just want to add. I just want to just add something. Yeah. Um, the current CEO of Google, his name is Sundar Pichai. Yeah. When I read when I read his story, I was I was blown away. How mm. did an Indian boy, an ordinary Indian boy who had a passion to do um, electrical engineering or me- metallurgical engineering go from, and whose father was just an ordinary teacher and his mother was yeah. barely even getting by, extreme poverty. They didn't have TV sets. Yeah. Go from that point, from that place to becoming the currency of Google. Google's market cap value is over a trillion dollars. As of, yeah. as of um, I think last month's um, Business Insider report. So how what, what changed? He had a mindset. solution-driven mindset. When yeah. he met Larry Page and Sajid Brain at Stanford University, it was because he was thinking solution, thinking solution. There's a psychological phenomenon called the Pygmalion effect. You create what you see in your mind. Yeah, what you your mind and what you the you know. I don't want to go, but basically yeah. that's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See. Every every see everything that human beings have created in this world started in someone's mind. Everything, no matter what it is, good or bad, everything we have created in this world started in someone's mind, and that's it. You know, it goes from the mind thinking about it and manifesting it. Anyway. So far, uh, it has been a very interesting time to speak to you. So, my last question: As a young young African, uh, Africa is for you, okay? So, what is your vision for Africa in the next uh, thirty years' time? So in, in in 30 years, I'm going to be 55 years old. Okay. <laughs> so at 55 years old, ah, I want to I want to see an Africa where we've become we've we've stopped being dependent. And so many narratives that you know Africans are, you know, we 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 can't do so we need help from the Western world. We need all of those things should stop. Yeah, we know that they are in terms of economics, they are developed and all that stuff. But I want to say in Africa where, you know, where it's African by African for Africans, where we're able to do things that are moving the needle in the continent, where I could go to South Africa and engage with South Africa and see what the work they're doing and bring that same thing to Nigeria. Yeah. I want to see an Africa where we can improve our GDP has improved. I want to see Africa where we can create our own, we, we don't even need to have our own Silicon, we, Silicon Valley. We can create another industry that is by Africa. I want to see an Africa where white supremacy has stopped, where people don't feel like <laughs> yeah, white supremacy. This I mean, I was, I was, I was um. Uh, I was, I don't know, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and I was saying to her that, have you noticed that we don't have cartoons that you have black children inside the cartoons? There were times when you never have a, you haven't had cartoon characters where there were black people in cartoon characters. What was happening to us subconsciously was the fact that you, you kind of felt like these people are, are supreme. You, Jesus is white. <laughs> is Jesus white, Mr. Kenny? Is Jesus white? <laughs> no, G- Jesus cannot be white if uh, Jesus grew grew up in the Middle East two thousand years ago. Hey, 
Jesus is white, Mary is white, Joseph is white. Uh-uh. So you realize that subconsciously something happens. It, 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 it has impacted the continent. People don't believe in themselves. Even though we have a few people who have broken out of that mold, thank God. So I want to say in Africa where, look, in 30 years, we have built industries. We have, we have, we have become self-sufficient to be able to help the Western world. Africa is one continent where we, we, we've preserved culture. We've been able to preserve culture. We have values. Yes, we may be religious set of people, but look, we have values in the continent. Values keep us, you know, values help us to bond collectively. So in Africa, where in 30 years, we have great GDP, great GNP. We are doing incredible stuff. There's global collaboration. We have industries that we have created. Young people can, would it's, I mean, right now in Nigeria, the Japa syndrome is on the high. Mm. And I also have an issue with Japa. I don't know if I have the time to talk about it, but I just want to say, look, if you are leaving Nigeria with a Japa mentality, you are entering survival mode. Do not leave Nigeria or try to leave any country you are in using with a Japa mentality, wherever you go to, you would replicate the mindset you have. I like to call it global mobility, have global expression, not Japa. Why are you? <laughs> so, so that's my dream for Africa, really, Mr. Ikeni. Um, yeah. yeah, and it can't, it can't, I don't use the word utopic again, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. see, you, you have, you have great, great vision uh, for Africa. And that's great. Now, I will say this. The white supremacy, he saw me, me roll my eyes. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sure you did. Yeah. Very good. See, there's, there's a reason. Uh, you talk about uh, not seeing blacks in the cartoons you watch. The cartoon was made where? Okay, if if we want to see people like us in our TV, let's make let's make it. Ooh, the the, the, the drama you watch, the sitcom we, I watched as a young, the Nigerian sitcoms I watched as a young person. Everybody was black, everybody was Nigerian. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. if we 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 watch programs from the West, most of the people in those programs will be white. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Now, I agree. now, I'm not saying that uh, white supremacy is uh, is not is not real. Yeah, it was once real for me. Right now. White, white supremacy in Africa or amongst Africans yeah. is basic, for me, is basically created in our own minds. Yes, yes. And that's the point I was trying to communicate. Okay. That's, that's okay. the point I was so, saying. So, yeah. so for me, uh, I don't see a white person and think they're better than me. Because I, I know they're not. Never, yes. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. I know they're not. Okay, so I don't see any one of them and say, oh, ah, they're, nah, it doesn't, mm -hmm. see, it doesn't occur to me. Okay, and the more we talk about these things, 
the more we perpetuate it amongst us. Mm. So I choose not to talk about it. Mm. Is there racism? Yes. Mm. But it doesn't stop me from doing whatever I want to do. You get it? Absolutely. So that's my that's that's my my, my take. Yes, See, love it, love it. <laughs> I, I'm an so, elders. I, it's called an elders wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm so happy to talk to you today. Uh, you are doing incredible work, and uh, I I I I can see your work expanding exponentially within the next de- decade. So I thank you very much for, for your work. And I thank you for being a great guest of a Think Big for Africa podcast. Thank you. Thank you. My absolute honor and pleasure. I can't wait to even listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Listen or watch more episodes of Think Big for Africa podcast with new guests every week. Subscribe to ensure that you are notified whenever new episodes are available.